So, so for those who don't know me, um, my name is Tom. Uh, I'm one of the pastors here at Central Vineyard. But this week, uh, I'm going to take a step or a week off of our Sermon on the Mount series that we've been talking about. And I'm going to step into a, a teaching series we've done on and off, really, since we've been thinking about the end of lockdown, hopefully, and some of the restrictions. Uh, and this series is called Reimagine, and it's really about reimagining what the church might be like uh, as we come out of lockdown, as we recover from the pandemic. What might it be like for followers of Jesus to reimagine, to reassess how we do that together and individually? Um, I think for a, a lot of us, for a lot of church leaders, this feels like a really good opportunity for a reset to question why we did things the way we did them and maybe see what the Lord would have us do in light of all that's gone on for the last year and a bit, which is a crazy amount of time. And one of the things Steve talked about is um, in terms of Central Vineyard, for a long time now we've been one church that meets in multiple locations, something called multi-site church. And prior to the pandemic, that would have been meeting in Northampton, would have been here in Rawns, would have been in Wellingborough, and would have been in Kettering. But Steve talks about us moving away from, from that model and moving towards being a family of churches, so churches with more local kind of autonomy and decision-making. And if you want to know really more about why some of that decision-making has taken place, then I'd encourage you to go to the Central Vineyard website, which is centralvineyard.co.uk, and there's just a page where Steve's done a couple of videos. There's some, you know, attempt to ask, answer some questions you may have and just talk about that in some more depth. But just to pull out some of the points that Steve made, because I think they're going to be relevant to us this morning. Uh, one is that we think in making this change, then we can push past some of the ceiling that's in place. When you have a structure, when you have uh, leadership and resourcing done in a certain way, those things have limits. And we think changing that can just take away some of those limits and allow God to do some new things amongst us. We think it will help us to go further in terms of planting churches, churches that are diverse. One of the big shocks to us in the multi-site journey was how different a town can be from a town that is 10 miles away. That was one of the big shocks to us. And actually recognizing that the vineyard is a church planting movement. We really believe that the gospel advances, the kingdom advances as churches are planted. Not just vineyard churches, but churches in general. So we think that this change will enable us just to do some of that stuff. But we also recognize in the midst of that, that we are still better together than we are completely alone and completely apart. And I should say this morning, this morning's talk is a bit visiony, a bit practical, um, but there is a bit of what I believe to be a prophetic statement at the end of this. So do bear with me. But our journey to where we are today, um, some of you will be fully aware of this, and I apologize, but I just want to recover some of this ground for us. So October 2018, Ash and I set out with a whole bunch of people from Northampton and started a central vineyard site in Wellingborough. Uh, and that was about 18 months in when the lockdown hit. And we thought lockdown would be a month, and then we thought it would be over by the summer, and then we thought it would be over by Christmas. And now we're really still waiting to see what happens. But we became aware during that period that, that there was 
it was incredibly likely that Wellingborough would not be able to go back to gathering on Sundays because there wasn't enough of a, a groundswell of people. And there's lots of things the Lord could have done with that. But we started praying and going, Lord, what would you have us do in this? What is the thing that you are saying to us? But in 2019, you guys have been here in Rawns for, for a time, came and joined the Central Vineyard family. Roger and Sandra have served the church unbelievably for 20, well over 20 years. Um, and actually what you've built is wonderful. The work you've done is wonderful. And we don't want to go past that and ignore that. But, um, and the Lord still has more for you to do. Okay, I'm confident of that. But, but we were about six to nine months in of welcoming you guys into the family, of working that out, and lockdown hits. And it goes on and it goes on. Um, but part of the reason for you guys joining the Central Vineyard family was so that Sandra could work out retiring and um, what does succession look like? Because it's, can I tell you this? It is really hard to pass a church from one leader to another. It just is. It's just the way that it is. But at the beginning of the year, Steve and Tammy approached Ash and I just about, would we consider coming over to Rawns and, and just taking on from Sandra what's been going on for the last 20 years and, and taking it into its next stage. So we prayed about that and we felt it was right, but obviously there's, there was this kind of difficult question, well, what happens to the Wellingborough site in that? And so we talked about bringing the, these two sites together and actually I'm, I was completely overwhelmed by how many of you guys that are Wellingborough folk, as it were, came with us. That was a complete surprise to us. But really, I don't think what we're seeing is the end of one site or another. I think actually what we're seeing is the Lord doing something new. Because, and some of the reason for that is, I think this is the Lord's timing, because this, if you look at all the circumstances and all the timing in the natural, it is completely insane to try and do a church leadership transition and bring churches together and do all that in this season. But the Lord is in the midst of it. And actually, in a sense, whether we are in Bronze or Rushton or Wellingborough or wherever, the church has never been about where we gather or the building or the service and what time it is and what that looks like. Not really. The church is the people. So, as I was contemplating the church being the people, I thought, well, where are the people? So we've got an exciting map. I love maps, and I'm really sorry if you find this kind of thing dreadfully boring. But what struck me as I looked at where people are is really this, what we're looking at isn't just a Rawns church or just a Wellingborough church or just a Rushton church. This really is a group of people who love Jesus who are spread across the Nen Valley, which is the only geographic thing I can find to describe what this area is. Um, it's back up. Yeah, it's just, I'm just so excited to see a map. You know, there's a river. There's, um, but as we look at that reality of, okay, well, this is a bunch of people spread across the Nen Valley, and there is so much potential for what God could do in all of these places. 
Actually, what does it look like for us to reimagine what the Lord might do here if we would turn toward the Nen Valley and all of these communities? And interestingly, I think probably one of the realities is, is as we do this, so you, you can, don't worry about the map, it's fine. I'm just, I'm just <laughs> as we do that, I, I honestly think there's a place for us as, as a church, as a people, to become a, pl- a place that would be like a hospital for our brothers and sisters who lose their church family because of this pandemic. I think there will be churches that do not recover from the pandemic. They just cease meeting. And actually there's an opportunity for us just to be a place of welcome and rest and healing for some of those people. But my own conviction in lockdown, the Lord has just been speaking to me about restoring the priesthood of all believers which is a really biblical way of saying that we are all agents of God's kingdom. Uh, there's a, a John Wimberism where he says everybody gets to play. And doing church, having services, having ministries, having programs is fine. There is nothing wrong with those things. But what's more exciting to me is to see each one of us realise that actually God wants to to meet people through us and change lives. For me, that is the thing that's worth living for. I can take, if I'm honest, I can take or leave renting rooms and buildings. I can take or leave trying to find someone to do the worship. You know, all this stuff that we have to do, I can take or leave that. We do that because we get to gather together and follow Jesus together and grow together. It's all about people. And in in church, typically we have kind of two leadership structures. One is top-down leadership, and this will all make sense in a minute. One is top-down leadership and one is bottom-up. Top-down leadership is uh, classically where the leadership team will set a direction and everyone follows that direction. There's another common way called bottom-up leadership, where the leaders really are just trying to keep the congregation healthy. Their focus is slightly the other way. And my conviction is we definitely need structure. We need accountability. We need direction. We need all of these things. They're good and they are godly. But my conviction is, in the words of Alexander Venter, who's a vineyard theologian, is that this this is Jesus' church, not mine. That actually all of us here, you're not some church leadership's people. You are Jesus' people that actually you are the agents of his kingdom, you're not the agents of the next great church fad. And just as I've been reflecting on how on earth do we be a church across the Nen Valley, because that's quite a big area, I've wondered if actually the church needs to look something more like a constellation. Now this is a funny word. I'm not going to go new age, don't worry. Some of you are like, he's going to start talking about horoscopes. I'm not going to do any of that. But the idea being that actually when you look at a constellation, what you are seeing is stars that light up a really unique sphere of influence. Actually, that they burn brightly. And the more we look at stars, the more we understand them. We realize that stars have planets around them that these stars support this whole ecosystem of stuff. 
And actually, when you put stars on a map and you begin to draw up the lines, you create these constellations. And these constellations, they do a couple of things. One, they make nice images. So we talk about, I looked one, one up this morning, like the bear constellation. I can't, I'm terrible at this. People go, it's a bear. Can you not see the bears? Oh, I cannot see a bear. I can just see some lights and some lines. But apparently it's a bear. But they create these images. And actually what's even more interesting is once you know the constellations, actually for centuries, those constellations have been leading people who are lost back home again. You know, the, the early the people that would go out, risk their lives on ships to go and explore the new world, they could guide themselves to a place of safety by looking at the stars and seeing where they are, working out where they are. Now this, thinking about it like this, the imagery is that each one of us is a star that shines brightly for Jesus, wherever we are on that Nen Valley map. Each one of us has to take some ownership of how we shine the light of Jesus out to the streets and the people around us and in our workplaces. And it means that actually each of us will guide people home to Jesus. That's my hope and my prayer. But it's important as we do this that we stay connected, that we stay part, if you like, of the constellation. Because without being connected to Jesus and to one another, we just become a bunch of stars moving rapidly away from one another. And Jesus is interesting. He said he was going to build his church. He didn't say he was going to build a bunch of people to go and do what they liked. He's building his church. So if we're to stay connected and to see these lines in place, what are those lines? What is the glue that holds us together? Um, for me, it has to be practicing the way of Jesus together. It has to be becoming more like Jesus together. Because I think as we are committed to becoming more Christ-like, each individually, then actually we will be drawn together. That's what happens when you become more like Christ. You are drawn to other people who want to be more like Christ. Robert Mulholland, uh, he's a, somebody who's written books on spiritual formation and what it means to be transformed into the image of Christ. He says this, that spiritual formation is a process of being formed in the image of Christ for the sake of others. Or in other words, for each one of us to be the best image of Christ that we can be to others, we need one another to help one another form into that image. We can't do that alone. And actually as we do that, we realize spiritual formation, formation our own spiritual formation is not just for us. It's not just for our benefit, it's for the benefit of others. So as we seek to be lights for wherever we are, we must remember that we need one another. And if we don't rely upon one another and spend time in community with one another, 
and this has happened during lockdown, I've seen this plenty, that we will just burn out. It's been amazing to me, just during lockdown, the, the way different people have responded to it. Some people have been drawn closer to Jesus. Some people have struggled. And actually, I would say my observation has been the people who struggle to stay connected to Jesus are not the people I thought would stay, struggle to stay connected to Jesus. That actually, as we've had that disconnection, there's been a real shaking in the church and a real shaking of people's faith. And some people haven't known what to do with it because they haven't been able to have that community and be formed into the likeness of Jesus together. So what does all this, these things I've been saying mean? So actually, if I'm honest, for many of us, I don't think there's any huge shock in anything that I'm saying. I don't think it, there's great change for some of us. On the ground, we will still meet here on Sundays. We'll still meet in small groups. We'll still meet in huddles and have time to pray together. Because that's the glue that holds us together, these meeting points, these points of gathering and connection. But it does also mean that we want to think about how, how can we be scattered across for Jesus? How can we be scattered out into our communities for Jesus? John Wimber used to say, he had this phrase, that the meat is on the street. If you're a vegan, I apologise, we need to update that phrase. But the meat is on the street. Alan Scott says, spiritually lost people are irresistible to the Spirit of God. And God is not sending lost people into the church. He sends the church out into the world. And that just sounds like a play on words, but I grew up in what became known as the Toronto Blessing. So when the Toronto Blessing started, I would have been seven or eight. And I grew up in that. You know, the, all the signs, all the wonders, all the, the stuff. The church got turned upside down for me, right? We went from trying to pursue Jesus and be nice to, oh my goodness, what is happening? Okay, that was, but it was, and for a while it was just a mess, but it was a beautiful mess. And over time it got worked out. But one of the things that I noticed is people sincerely were praying for revival and sincerely wanted to see this nation and other nations changed by the overflow of this move of God in the church. But my reflection actually was, I think what they thought in the way that they prayed and certainly in the way that they acted was they thought that God would just bring everybody to the church and they'd be saved. But actually when I look at the ministry of Jesus, so much of what he did was not in the walls of the synagogue. So much of what he did was out and about, walking about, trying to feed people, being fed by other people. You know, It was just Jesus out and about looking to see what the Father might be doing. And my, my conviction is that God loves to break through in church meetings, you know, like this. God loves to show up. His presence was so rich this morning. But I think, actually, that God is desperate for us to be a people who long to see him break through at barbecues, that he moves 
around dinner tables with our neighbours that are desperate to see him bring hope to people who are at the pub, desperate to change lives around coffee, desperate to touch the hearts of tired parents at school gates. I can say that as a parent who's tired at the school gates. (laughs) Who actually would love to invade the places that you are going to watch the Euros with your mates this week. For, For our children, they're actually on the playground of the schools. He's desperate to break through there. At the supermarket or at your workplace in the staff canteen, God is desperate to break through in those places. McDonald's, yeah. KFC, all of them. God is just desperate to break through. And I think that as we are spread out across the Nen Valley, he's looking for people like you and me to be the vessels for some of that breakthrough. And so I think the, the obvious question is, what if we're not just going to focus on one place or the other? Are we just diluting our efforts? And I understand that. But I would say we are 100% for Rawns. We are 100% for Wellingborough. We are 100% for Rushton and Thrapston and Oundle and all the other places in between. And the reason we are 100% for those places is really because we are 100% for Jesus. Right? We are 100% for his kingdom come. And programs and strategy alone will not do this. Those things are good. We need programs. We need strategy. We need structure. We need all those things. But actually what will do this is each of us listening to the voice of God as we go about our daily lives. And I think that if we do that, he will partner with us and we will see him bring healing to homes and lives and hearts and neighbourhoods. These moments that God breaks in, they're not for the anointed few. They're not for the people that are paid at church. They're not for the people that you see at the front here at church. Uh, They're not just for those special ones that have the big healing meeting. They're not, actually, that's not the case. It's not for the anointed few. It's for the anointed church of Jesus. It's for all of us. Everybody gets to play. The only qualification you need to hear the voice of God is not deep theological training. It's not a great amount of anointing. It's not a salary. It's none of that stuff. The thing that you need, the qualification you need to hear the voice of God is to be a sheep. Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. I think if if we can grab hold of this, and that's a process, can I be honest, of hearing the voice of God. Hearing the voice of God is one thing, and then doing what God asks you to do is, is another. It can be scary. But man, does God show up when you do it. If we do this individually and together, then I think God will do wonderful things. And actually the best part in some ways is this doesn't require a whole bunch of programs and stuff to make us busy. Actually, just as we go about our everyday normal lives, it's going, Lord, what are you saying? Father, have you got something for me to do? And actually, can I be honest? Sometimes the amount of ministry we do 
is the thing that stops us hearing the voice of God because we're so busy trying to trying to do stuff. And I've been talking to Sandra, we're a bit the same. We just want to do and do and do because we're so passionate. But I know for myself at least that sometimes I can be so busy doing that I forget to see what God is wanting me to do. So I've been given some time to think and pray about this and the Lord led me to Isaiah 40, verse 3 and 4. Some of you are just relieved I finally opened the Bible at this point. But Isaiah 40, verse 3 to 5. It says this. In the wilderness, prepare a way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up. Every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level. The rugged places are plain, and the glory of the Lord will be revealed. And all people will see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. I think as we look to just take away some of the structure, some of the stuff we've had, and review some of that, if you like, as we flatten some of that structure, Actually, what we're doing then is making a way for God to come and do what he wants to do. And as that happens, God's glory is revealed. And this is the bit that excites me, is then all people see it together. All people see it together. And at this point, I don't want to make any grandiose statements or plans. I don't want to have all these plans and then say, okay, God, here's my plans. Do what you would do with it. My conviction really is I want to see what God is already doing and join him doing that. And I think when I look at where the where we are as a people, I think it's clear that God is doing something across this Nen Valley place. You know, Scripture says God knows exactly where He wants you to live. And so we are where we are. We are exactly where God wants us to be. So let's lean into that. Let's join God in what he is doing, he's already doing. So just as we as we explore what it means practically to be a church spread across this vast area, see that the Nen Valley is getting smaller because transport links are getting better, all that stuff, but it's still a vast and varied and diverse place. Could I just ask between now, particularly in between now and September, would you pray? Would you seek the Lord? If you have words, visions, dreams, I'd love to hear them. I'd love to hear what the Lord would say to us. But I would love us to do just a bit of a, uh, make a bit of a practical response to this this morning, um, which is I would love us to pray together. So, um, Tim has got some slides with some place names on, hopefully. Brilliant. So this is a prayer activity where I don't want you to be a spectator. I want you to join in. Um, I don't know if people are, people are represented from all these places today. 
Uh, hopefully they are. But we're just going to take maybe 30 seconds or 45 seconds just to pray for each place, pray for God's blessing upon each place. If you live in one of these places, would you be brave enough just to raise your hand and the rest of us be willing to look around and see who's got their hands up? Yes, okay, Bruce is from Earthenborough. So I'd encourage all of us to stand. We can, so that'll make turning around much easier. So I know we have to pray kind of quietly as per the rules, but we can still pray and God can still hear us. And he's not deaf, which is good news for us. But we're just going to pray God's blessing upon these places and upon the people here with us from those places. Um, and every now and then I'll just say the next place name that comes up and you can look for some more people. So if you're from those places, do stick your hand up. So let's pray for Earthenborough and the places around that. And then for Oundle and Thrapston. And then I think there's going to be a few of you from Rawns, I suspect. And then Rushton and Higham, Earthenborough. And then Wellingborough. Father, I thank you that you you love to show people that don't know you how much you love them. Father, I thank you that you would use somebody like me for your kingdom. That just is something, <laughs> I know myself, Lord, that seems mad. But Father, I thank you that you look upon all of us and you call all of us to do the things that you did. Holy Spirit, would you do a work in each of us. Jesus promised to us was that as, as we walk with you, Holy Spirit, that we would do greater things than he did whilst he was here, which seems, seems, <laughs> seems crazy. But that is exactly why Jesus says he had to go, so that, that we could carry the Holy Spirit out into the world. So Father, for each of us, would you... Would you open our eyes to see what you are doing in the spiritual realms that we just cannot see in front of our own faces? Father, would you soften our hearts for our neighbours, for our colleagues, for our friends that don't know you? Father, I just ask that you would stir. Would you stir us? Would, as we sung this morning, would you break our heart for what breaks yours? I just want us to linger here a little longer. I just. I wonder if the Holy Spirit just has something else to do. Um, I just feel it's right to say this this morning. I couldn't get here last week, so I watched the Northampton program. Is that the right word for it? Anyway, uh, I watched Northampton. And I had this picture of them, of being a gift. And I saw the building wrapped in a bright red ribbon with a big bow. And I believe God was saying, this is such a unique gift for the town. And that came back to me just as we were praying just now. And sort of God added to that, that when you open the gift up, there's all these other smaller boxes inside, a bit like a Russian doll. 
And then I had the picture of the Russian doll. And it's quite easy to think, well, you've got the big doll and then you have something that fits inside that and something inside that. But actually, they start off with something small. And if you haven't got the small doll to begin with, you don't know the size of the next doll. So then the next doll gets built. And when you know the size of the next doll, the third doll gets built. And I just felt that was what God was saying this morning. I was uh, just talking with the Lord yesterday, and um, it was about a matter in the garden. And the Lord just said to me one word, and it was, don't make a decision now, wait. And I feel that's what God's saying to somebody here today. This is not the time, God says, for making the decision. Wait, and the time will come. And I know there's a scripture, I think it's in Habakkuk, uh, where I'm quoting the old version now, uh, tarry longer, the time is coming. So wait. Yeah, I think... Um you know, God was talking to me in the week about, um, as I was thinking before our, our group about what we've been hearing over the last couple of weeks, and it applies, so applies today, um, in that in all the things that we hear, sometimes it's the way that you look at it, and uh, it's been really exciting this morning to hear what Tom has to say. Um, but also, it can be a bit daunting, like Tom was saying, it can be a bit overwhelming, change and the things that are happening. And, um, and it was like God was saying, actually, you're looking at it the wrong way round. Every time you feel daunted or overwhelmed, every time you don't know what to do, it's an opportunity for you to welcome God into your life, for you to do that with him. And he wants to do everything with us. And I've always looked at it the other way around, thought, oh, I'm scared, God, help. And I don't want to do that. And, you know, you forget to talk to him. But actually, he's like, he just wants to step in and alongside and help us all the time on this journey. And I really felt again this morning that, you know, he's saying that we don't need to be overwhelmed, you know, just get hold of God and say, help me, <laughs> I don't know what to do, or I feel like this. And he comes alongside and his Holy Spirit changes our hearts, empowers us, gives us confidence to do um, what we need to do. Um, and alongside that, I, I felt like he was saying, uh, I just want to pray this briefly as we close. Look at your hands and your feet. Just have a little look at them. Put them out. Put your hands out in front of you. Look at your hands and your feet. And Father God, I pray that you would anoint our hands and our feet as we go about today, as we leave here and whatever we're going to do, that you would help us to remember that we take you with us in the things that we do, in the places that we go, in the people that we meet. Would you anoint our lips, our voices to speak good, godly, kind things to the people around us, that we wouldn't forget that 
just because we've been here for this little bit of time, we've talked to you, that wherever we go, we take you with us. And I think sometimes I forget that. You know, I forget when I go to the supermarket that I take you with me. Father, I pray that you would help me to remember and all of us to remember that it doesn't matter what we're doing, you are with us all the time. And we are shining like those little stars in the constellation as, as people of God in this place. So, Father, I want to thank you so much for all that you've done and said this morning. Father, thank you for the people here and those who are at home, that we would feel blessed today and be a blessing this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.